Hey guys, welcome to the Pace Racing Podcast Experience, the Canadian Triathlon Podcast made in mind for the age group triathletes. So today's guest is South African triathlete Richard Murray. Now for those who may not know Richard yet, he's a two-time Olympian triathlete who's taken the Super League by a storm. Now Richard's won two World Triathlon Series wins. He's been ranked top five triathletes globally for the past five years in the World Triathlon Series. He just has such an incredible list of accolades and he just has such a unique style of racing that is truly incredible to watch. So I'm happy to have him on today's show so we can pick his brain and learn some amazing tips from him. Now, Richard's on a mission after placing fourth in the Rio Olympics in 2016. That mission's now to win the World Triathlon Series and win a gold medal at the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. And I mean, judging by his performance as of late, I can definitely see that being a strong possibility. So I'm excited to talk to him about a number of topics in this podcast, and I'm even more excited for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, let's cue the music. So today's episode is brought to you by our two sponsors. I'm excited to represent the first one is Scody. Now I'm excited to talk about Scody because Scody has helped me design a new 2019 pacing racing triathlon kit that's now available for anyone to purchase up until April the 8th. Now this is super exciting and this is the first time these will be on sale. And if you haven't seen them yet, then you can find all the information on my Instagram page at pacing.and.racing. Now the link to the store will be available in my link in my bio or what's probably easiest if you type in Scody, that's S-C-O-D-Y, pacing and racing in Google, then the store will show up. So Scody is spelled S-C-O-D-Y and you'll have no problems finding that at all. Now, I'll be representing this kit proudly at all my upcoming races this year. So if you're a fan of the content or you're simply just looking for one awesome looking kit to wear this season, then be sure to put an order in before April 8th. Now, they've taken the pacing and racing design concept for the triathlon suits and applied them to cycling jerseys, running shirts, cycling shorts, the brace and bib style shorts, if you like that. There's sleeveless tri suits and so much more, guys. So the best part is it's available for both men and women. So it's available again until April 8th. And if you haven't seen the design yet, it's an awesome turquoise and navy design. It has the pacing and racing logo on the chest, and it just looks absolutely awesome. So I'll be posting a link to the store all over my social media. So if you're following Pacing Racing on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, the email list, and even on this podcast, and definitely take a look. So any other questions, of course, you can direct message me on Instagram. Now, I've always done a ton of research whenever I'd be buying something for triathlon because, I mean, as we all know, it's very expensive sport. Now, what I've recognized is over the years is the most expensive product doesn't mean it's the best product. And that's why I love this Scooty brand. They offer the professional grade design and material, but offer it in a price range that both you and I can afford. And like I said, you get a ton of life out of their apparel because all of their apparel is professional grade. Wearing it won't chafe on the long races. It won't suffer the wear and tear like many of the cheaper products do that are on the market today. So if you want to check them out, you can find them out on Instagram by searching at AUS or go to www.scody.com. And if you're on Facebook, you can search Scody Australia. Now, the second sponsor is a brand that has been dating back to 1993 and has held the test of time, and that's Blue 70. Now, Blue 70 is a triathlon and swimwear company that are probably most well-known for their professional quality wetsuits, but they also have a massive inventory of swimwear like swim skins, jammers, gear bags, goggles, and pool accessories. Now, what exactly are pool accessories? They're basically anything to help you train the pool, like hand paddles, pull boys, kickboards, and even the core shorts for buoyancy. So, and also for the crazy swimmers out there who also go in the open water as early as March in places like Canada, they have the thermal swimmer options, which will help you in the colder temperatures. Now, 
Blue 70 is known to have some of the best wetsuits, swim skins, jammers, and pool accessories. So if there's something you want to try out, then definitely look into them and be sure to check out their website. Now, I personally wear the Helix Men's Wetsuit, and it's my favorite wetsuit I've ever worn because honestly, it fits so snug, and there's absolutely no restriction. And the nicest feature I find is that the zipper does up from the neck and sits down at your lower back when it zips. So you won't find any chafing from the zipper on your neck, which was always a big thing I noticed in prior wetsuits that coming out of the water, my neck would just be so red and so sore from the chafing of the zipper. Now, it's a super cool wetsuit. In fact, I'm getting to wear the same wetsuit as some of my favorite idols like Braden Curry and Lionel Sanders. It just makes it that much better. So... I mean, for all of you who are curious to see more Blue 70, then definitely check out my YouTube channel, Pacing and Racing. I just posted a video on Blue 70 gear review. So in there, I'll go in depth talking about the wetsuit, their pool accessories, and how to decide if you want a swim skin or what type of wetsuit you might require for your skill set and your budget. So if you're searching for basically anything for your swim training and swimwear, which everyone's always looking for ways to improve their swim, then definitely go ahead and check out Blue 70 on Instagram, which is at Blue 70 or go to www.blue70.com. If you're on Facebook, you can search Blue 70. So Richard Murray, welcome to the Pace Racing Podcast, man. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing, I'm doing fine, I'm doing great. Uh, just uh, settling down the last couple of weeks here in the Netherlands. So yeah, everything's uh, going well. Yeah, awesome. And so, uh, what brings you over to the Netherlands? Are you doing some training there? Or? Um, yeah, well, I spent half my well, half my year or more than half a year here in the Netherlands, uh, and uh, the other bits and pieces of it in South Africa and uh, kind of all around the world. So it's it's pretty much my second home. Awesome, eh? That's it's pretty cool. You got to do some traveling. So especially the Netherlands, that's a really amazing place. Been there a few times. Yeah, it's very. Uh, it's very nice. We're out in the east of the country, so we're kind of like in the farmlands. So it's, uh, yeah, for training and for, for living and stuff, it's, uh, it's amazing. Awesome. That's great. So, no, it's funny. I was, uh, I was laughing. I saw you posted on uh, Twitter the other day, uh, back on April Fool's. You said that you're hashtag you're going long or hashtag Kona bound. And then later on commented the day after that, obviously it was April Fool's. You're still solely focused on the Super League, uh, the Olympics 2020 and World Triathlon Series. So now... Do you think if all goes well in the Olympics and the Super League and World Triathlon Series that you might incorporate some 7.3s or full after that? Um, I'm not sure, eh? I mean, it's uh, I've done one half distance before so far. Um, in uh, Slovakia, it was a Challenge Series race. Um, and uh, I raced against some of the some of the top long course guys. Uh, so like Sebastian Keenle and uh, Lionel Sanders, Alistair Brownlee, uh, they were all racing. Um, so it's a pretty stacked field for my first half distance race. Um, but, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty tough day out racing really. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't say, I can't say I enjoyed it all that much. I think because I wasn't hundred percent prepared for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, I think I'm, my mind is slowly changing towards thinking, you know, maybe in the next couple of years I might head that direction a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously now my full focus is on, on uh, short course and, uh, uh, as, as well as Super League triathlon, I mean, it's live television around the world. Uh, does you know does the sport of triathlon a massive favor in in, in terms of exposure? So uh, uh, from that front, you know, short course is definitely you know currently my full focus. Awesome, yeah. I think it's it's crazy because like you obviously already absolutely crushed the short course in terms of, like the Super League and and the Olympics and everything. So uh, now it's funny because I, I actually think if uh, all the Ironman fans out there would probably have a new favorite if you ever end up moving to the long course one day and end up competing in Kona I think that'd be a, a pretty crazy turn of events 
yeah, it's definitely. I think uh, Rachel's Rachel's definitely gonna Rachel Klum, my my fiance, is gonna head that direction. I think as well. She uh, she really enjoyed it. She also did the half distance race in Samoan in Slovakia, and uh, she came fourth. Uh, I think like ten minutes back from Lucy Lucy Charles for her first half, so it was pretty good. Wow! Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she and uh, she said she felt like she was falling asleep on the bike. So I said that's an interesting way of explaining time trialing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely, I think she's gonna she's gonna do well in well do well in that type of distance as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll probably be there. Maybe I'll probably be there competing for the first couple of years, and then uh, the next couple of years looking after the kids and uh, running with the signboard behind her. <laughs> awesome, man! That's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Now you said you, you did some 70.3s. Have you ever done a full Ironman or have you always been no, sort of? I no, no, I, I mean, I, I realized the amount of, you know, the, the amount of time you need to spend to be successful in, in long courses. It's like pretty much two years, I would say. So it takes about two years. I've noticed a lot of the guys moving across from short course to long course. They have like a year or a year or two of uh, kind of learning the ropes again. It's almost like learning a, a different sport to a certain degree. I mean, you know, short course, you can get away with a lot of little small things. Uh, so obviously, the longer you go, those small things become even bigger problems. Uh, so I think it takes a couple of years and you've got to be pretty smart with what you're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're going to have a look to see, you know, further down the line to see how things go. You know, I've, I come from an endurance background. So actually uh, doing stage, I did stage racing, mountain biking and stuff and things like that. So I kind of, you know, I'm used to the long type of things, especially long rides and those types of things I really enjoy. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, definitely something that I'll probably look forward to in the next couple of years. Awesome, man. That's really cool. And now, I mean, let's, let's talk about your backstory, man. I mean, uh, most people know who you are, but for the minority that don't already know about your background, just sort of fills in, uh, where are you from and, uh, what's the story that got you into triathlon? Uh, okay. Yeah. So I grew up, uh, in a, like a, on a farm just outside of Cape town and, uh, yeah, pretty much, uh, had about 10 people around me. Um, a couple of people that lived on the farm and uh, yeah, we were about 30 kilometers from the city. So like real rural growing up and uh, uh, we raced motocross bikes around the farm, mountain biking around the farm, uh, extreme sports and stuff as well. I did skateboarding. Uh, I did like some freestyle motocross, uh, did downhill mountain biking, uh, four cross mountain biking. I kind of did a lot of extreme stuff first. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then I sold my father, sold all my motorbikes because I ended up uh, destroying myself all the time crashing. And uh, I couldn't do my endurance sports. So I was doing cross country running. Uh, I was running, doing cross country running, running on the track and doing uh, mountain biking all at the same time. Uh, so I was kind of doing whatever was on that weekend. And uh, so from the, all of those, I kind of started to become a good runner. And uh, I went to the South African champs for track and field uh, for 800 and 1500 meters when I was in, uh, when I was in high school. Uh, and I didn't make the cuts in track and field. I was a good runner, but I wasn't the best runner out of everybody. So I thought, okay, well maybe running is not my, not my thing, you know? And, uh, so I did mountain biking then and I became a South African junior mountain biking champion for, uh, for two years, uh, when I was 16 and 17. And, uh, I thought, okay, mountain biking is, this is now what I'm going to do. I'm going to race, I'm going to become a professional mountain biker, race the UCI uh, mountain bike world circuit, and uh, that's going to be it. And then I kind of got the same thing happened in mountain biking where I got to the kind of the top level from, from my age category type thing, and I was good, but I wasn't the best. So I thought, okay, well, maybe mountain biking won't work for me. So then I, uh, I kind of found duathlon from this. So I put the running and cycling together, and I thought, well, maybe I'll be good at this sport. Uh, and then I became the junior world champion twice. 
uh, when I was 17 and 18 and I uh, thought, hmm, maybe this multi-sports is my type of thing. Um, and I uh, did my first triathlon as well. My parents uh, took me when I was 11 years old to do my first triathlon. So I did a triathlon when I was 11, so I knew what it was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's kind of how the journey happened. And then uh, I did duathlon and uh, became junior world champion twice. And from that, someone told me if I want to make money, I need to learn how to swim. And uh, I was kind of thinking I really don't like swimming. But uh, I need to learn to swim if I want to make a living. So, uh, yeah, pretty much took me about five years to get my swimming from uh, terrible to still not that great, but not terrible. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of how the whole journey happened. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's been pretty amazing. I, I started to go overseas when I was about 16 years of age. I was traveling by myself when I was about 16. Uh, and I spent a couple of months in Germany. I uh, saw the triathlon scene. And I saw how big the triathlon scene was in Europe. And I thought, man, this triathlon is like 10 times bigger than is in South Africa and uh, from there that's kind of how the whole the whole crazy trip of triathlon started awesome man that's a it's a pretty incredible story because yeah it's crazy that you only had about 10 people around you in uh, where you lived growing up and it just kind of sounded like it was never a goal from the beginning you just sort of trialed aired with different sports you found duathlon then you 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 struggled with a swim and you just sort of worked on that so it's always cool to hear a story like that and that um, came from a small town, came without a crazy swim background, and then you still kind of you push yourself to get where you are today. So I think that's awesome. I think that's great for people to hear. Yeah, and no, I think the, we also, well, we're not my father. We have this uh, lake that's quite close to where I live, and we, uh, the, we went out every Sunday, and we set out a 750-meter lap in the lake, and my father came out with a boat with me every Sunday and did like a time trial for about a year and a half. Every Sunday I did a time trial. Uh, <laughs> like through the wind, through the winter, through everything. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, we literally went there, and Akel started off at about twelve minutes or thirteen minutes for the seven fifty or something like that. Uh, and I got down to like nine minutes uh, after about a year and a half uh, every Sunday. So it was pretty cool, and we we, we obviously GPS the mountain, so it was quite a quite a cool way of because uh, I kind of thought you know in the pool you can be fast, but you've got to be quick open water. You've got to be able to sight. You've got to be able to do lots of different things. So it's kind of how how we went about it a little bit for sure that's awesome and yeah it's it's really cool and, and you're right it's so true that the, the pool it's it's a, nice to have but it, it's just not the same not not really comparable to the the open water swimming so that's an awesome way of doing it, especially every weekend that's cool yeah i think it was uh yeah i mean that was that was i definitely went to you know, obviously helping me towards you know getting the swimming swimming in the right direction as, as well as a couple of coaches i went through about like six or seven different coaches from swimming so wasn't just like one one coach that miraculously turned me into a great swimmer. <laughs> For sure, no, awesome. So, I mean, uh, let's uh, let's step back a bit. Obviously, you're you're crushing it in the Super League these days. But um, for the people who are sort of more oriented with the Ironman brand and all that sort of thing, so can you explain a little bit of what Super League Triathlon is, as opposed to like the the format and how the race goes, and and what makes it so different compared to the the Ironman long distance racing? Okay, yeah. So I think uh, Super League is, uh, how can I compare it? Um, you pretty much have well, some people that follow cricket or follow rugby. Um, they've, they've made the durations of the events shorter and shorter. So now with the cricket, they've got the 2020, which is uh, really, really short, high-paced. They kind of hit as hard as they can. They're out. Uh, it's a little bit like baseball to a certain degree. Um, and uh, they're making it uh, more commercially viable. So, you know, people more television-friendly. And uh, it's very, very short distance triathlon. So instead of us uh, being racing for two hours, we're only racing for about 
15 to 20 minutes per leg. And uh, so we raced like little individual triathlons. So it's swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. And they run a 10-minute break between each round. And uh, so the swim distances are always the same, 300 meters. The bike is six kilometers and the run is about a mile to two kilometers. Um, and so it's really, really fast, high-paced racing. And uh, they have that the first day. And so usually they have it over two days, the races. Uh, they have a race on day one and you have points from day one. And on the second day, you have another race where they run swim, bike, run. Uh, the second one, they do bike, swim, run. Um, sorry, let me get it right here. It's actually difficult to say. It's swim, bike, run. Then it is uh, run, bike, swim. So you end swimming on the second one. And then the last one, it is bike, swim, run. Um, so they literally mix it all up completely. And uh, they kind of try and change the way that people are thinking about triathlon. And uh, yeah, it's making it more exciting. I think you know, even the athletes actually enjoy watching uh, uh, watching the Super League racing after they've finished racing it. So I think a lot of the time, I mean, I don't want to sit down and watch an hour or two of racing. And I don't have time for that. Um, so it's it's nice to be able to watch something that's very short and uh, full of energy uh, from the get-go. And, uh, you know, it changes up a lot. It's nice. Uh, it kind of changes. People don't really know what's happening the whole time during the race because the, the lead's changing all the time. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a dynamic uh, thing of triathlon. I think, uh, I think a lot of other athletes are looking towards, especially the juniors. It's a great way for the juniors to develop. You know, they can race some of the guys that are racing against, uh, racing against us, myself, um, Henry Schumann, Vincent Louis. Uh, you know, they've kind of got like some big, big names in, in the racing Super League and it's definitely growing. Uh, they've rolled out now a couple of the, the, the age group events as well. So they've got... Uh, uh, you know, events for everyone. And uh, yeah, I think it's definitely growing and it's, uh, you know, putting the athletes uh, on the map a little bit. Uh, Vincent Louis said that uh, people in the street kind of know who he is now versus, you know, where he was racing before. Uh, the impact has definitely been a lot more. Awesome. That's really cool. That's, that's a great way of explaining it. And uh, you're right. It's it's getting more spectator friendly and all that stuff too. So I, I like to see that. And I think that's amazing. And uh, do you sort of see triathlon in general shifting toward this now? Or like, are we getting away from the Ironman or the IT formats? Or is it just something that's kind of separated and it's going to be its own sort of entity in the sport of triathlon? Yeah, I think it's... Uh... I definitely think, you know, it's an addition to triathlon already. You know, we've got the, we've got the long course. We've also got like ultra, ultra distance triathlons as well. So I think it's definitely filling, filling another spot that was kind of missed in the triathlon world. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely think, you know, with Olympics obviously being prevalent, uh, being most important now for most athletes, yeah, um, it, it's still priority ITU, but uh, the Super League definitely, I think, will grow and grow each year. And, uh, you know, obviously with more events, uh, they're going to have more events in the next couple of years. So I definitely think it's going to become uh, quite a very important thing for, for athletes to compete in. But uh, I think for now, uh, they're working together, the ITU and Super League as well, so that they don't uh, destroy the athletes too much. The individual, you know, individual organizations, they're just trying to get the best for, for their companies and stuff. But I think Super League uh, yeah, definitely goes from the commercial side of it, uh, you know, to millions of people definitely makes a big impact. For sure. No, that's awesome. And I mean, let's, let's talk about your experiences in the ITU and the Olympics. So you were a two-time competitor in the Olympics and you had fourth place in Rio, which um, obviously have a big focus to win the 2020 Olympics now. But uh, what's it like competing in the Olympics? Did you find you're competing against the same people you would in like the when you're racing ITU or the Super League sort of thing? 
Yeah, so literally when we race the Olympics, there's a, there's a smaller field than there is racing when we race some World Triathlon Series race. So there's only a certain amount of people can compete from each country as well. So the field is actually not as strong as a, as a World Triathlon Series race because, uh, you know, sometimes there's more Brits and there's more Americans and stuff in the field because their rankings are higher. Um, so there's an, usually only you can get the quota of three per country. Um, so it's the same athletes, it's the same people we're racing against. It's just the dynamic of the race changes due to uh, there aren't as many, you know, the field isn't as competitive, which is kind of weird. You, you know, you'd think when you go to Kona, um, they would have the best of the best would be there. But uh, unfortunately, it's not in this, in this circumstance, it's slightly different. Uh, and that, you know, obviously favors some people more than others. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's been a, an amazing thing, you know, going to the two Olympic Games that I've been to. Um, the first one in London where, where it was my, literally, I only started racing World Triathlon Series properly in 2012, uh, and I qualified literally three months later and I got told to go into the Olympics. I thought, okay, man, this is a big deal. Went and raced and, uh, came 17th or 19th on that side in London. And then, uh, I was fourth in Rio. I, I, I bust my collarbone in Australia the same year in 2016. So I'd like two months of preparation time after my collarbone, uh, fused to kind of get my act together before the olympics so that was a bit of a rush and uh, yeah hopefully going into tokyo things will run a little bit smoother and uh yeah i'll have a good preparation uh, you know leading up to the games awesome and then now for those who don't know um what will the competing in the olympics look like for you like it, it's more than simply just one race of the olympic distance triathlon uh, there's a sprint there's um double olympic triple olympics so when you go to tokyo what sort of uh, racing will you, will you be doing and sort of how does the point system work with the olympics Okay, yeah. So to qualify for the Olympics, you got to race for obviously for your country, and uh, you need to race World Triathlon Series races. So there's eight of those races per season, and uh, you accumulate points there. So two years before the Olympic Games, the qualifying criteria starts in May. Uh, so it was last year, May, and uh, yeah. So the points pretty much uh, roll two years towards the Olympic Games, and you collect points from there. And uh, then your Olympic Federation decides whether you can go or not. So you can actually get the points, but then uh, you qualify via the ITU criteria, so there's they got a certain amount of points you need, and then your Olympic Federation decides, okay, are you going to get a medal for us or not, yes or no, and they decide whether you go or not. So they kind of have the, the final say. Your Olympic Federation has the final say, and uh, there's a new uh, a new distance event. So the, the team relay, the mixed team relay, is going to be in Tokyo Olympics. So it'll be the first time they're having that, and uh, that's where they have uh, four athletes. So there's two males, two females. Uh, and they're racing together. So it's a continuous triathlon or four, four mini continuous triathlons uh, where the baton gets passed across from male to female, male, uh, sorry, female, and then finishes with a male. And uh, so that's the one event. And the second, the second event is in the, obviously the main Olympic distance triathlon. We don't race a sprint distance triathlon in the Olympics, just, a, uh, just Olympic distance. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that goes. Uh, the conditions are very, very hot and humid uh, in, in Tokyo at that time of the year. So it's going to be a, a very tough call on the body. And uh, yeah, the, the splits and things won't be as fast as, as, as usual triathlons just due to the heat, I think. Awesome. That's, uh, no, that's amazing to hear. And now, do you know, would you know right now who you're going to be on a team with for the relay or do they just sort of decide as it gets closer? Yeah, so for, for the team relay, there's a team relay series as well now that they've brought out this year. And uh, you need to accumulate points at that as well through your team. And then uh, when you get enough points, obviously, you can get uh, you can get a slot towards the Olympic Games for your country. Um, and uh, yeah, so I kind of know the athletes already from South Africa. So it's myself, Henry Schumann, and 
Sanders, and um, I think we've got we've got two females vying for the for, for the next spot um, from the from from the female side of things. So it's uh, I think we're looking now towards our juniors as well, trying to find out who who's got the best speed. I think a lot of juniors seem to do pretty well in the super sprint format. So the team relay is a super sprint format, and uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who qualifies on 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 the last spot for South Africa. Awesome, man. That's crazy. And we're all looking forward to that. That'll be, uh, be awesome to watch in the Olympics. So now, I mean, let's, uh, let's talk a bit about the Super League now. So I was just speaking with Hayden Wild the other day, and I always ask the question to triathletes of who's your biggest influence in triathlon. And he happened to say you, which I thought was pretty cool. So, I mean, I'd like to ask you the same question. Uh, who's influenced you the most in the sport and uh, how come? Um, yeah, so I think I had when I started when I started to grow up and, and looking towards triathlon. Uh, the, the two big guys that stood out to me were Tim Don was one of them. Um, he also was a you know he had extremely strong run as well. He won duathlon world champs and then he became a, a triathlon and became world champion as well in triathlon. So I always looked towards him and, and what he was doing. Uh, and he's obviously you know gone on to long course and he's he's racing in uh, South Africa now actually this weekend. Yeah, another person as well is Peter Robertson as well from Australia. Uh, he was also came from duathlon background and he would also chase from behind on the run every time. So I think the guys that I had something similar to, um, I kind of looked up to them and went, oh, I want to be like them and, and come from behind on the run and uh, yeah, try and, and steal the win from front. So I think those guys always look up towards them. Awesome. And that's very cool. Now, uh, so getting into your 2019 season here in the Super League, you're currently fifth ranked um, in the series, but obviously it's still a long way from over. So how have you felt about the season so far overall? Um, yeah, well, I've, I've had a pretty tough start to the year. Uh, I picked up an ankle injury in January, which uh, is kind of the first time I've had an ankle injury. So, um, yeah, I picked up some tendonitis in my ankle, and uh, that's pretty much put me out for the, the best part of two and a half months this year. Um, I went across to do the Super League race in Singapore. I wasn't really uh, running fit whatsoever. So I went there to pretty much just collect some points and try and stay in the rankings. Uh, I went through after that to, to Abu Dhabi where I was still, you know, I was able to do a jog every now and then, but I couldn't do anything spectacular. So I managed, I, I managed to still uh, jog my way to 25th place uh, there out of, I think it was 55 odd people or something in, in Abu Dhabi. So that, you know, I got a few points from that, but it wasn't really definitely far from what I wanted. Um, and so now I've came across to the Netherlands and uh, we've done quite a lot of, I've done quite a lot of gym and quite a lot of work to try and get myself back up to speed on running and, uh, looks like things are slowly starting to turn the right direction and uh yeah you know injuries can, can set you back a couple of months sometimes it can almost set you back half a year or a year so uh definitely just trying to make sure you know i do the, the right things at the right time and not uh, pressurize myself too much so bermuda i was supposed to go and compete in bermuda at the end of this month uh but i've had to put that one on the sideline and uh i have to wait i'll be doing my next event in, in the next month uh so which gives me a little bit more leeway to get my running back uh, back in the right direction Awesome. And yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think that's right. I think it's always a good thing too. as much as you'd want to race at the end of the month, it, it kind of like, it, it makes sense to sort of hold off and just so you're better long-term as opposed to kind of increasing the chances of a further injury or preventing yourself from healing. So I think that's a, I think that's a good move. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's always, it's always a catch 22 because you always think, you know, you could, we, we got to make a call a month out before the race, whether we compete or not. Um, so they got, uh, you know, it's not like some other some other events where you can pull out the week of the race or a couple of days before you can decide you're not going to compete. Um, so during the World Triathlon Series, we're going to kind of decide now 30 days out if we compete or not. So 
I was a little bit on the fence through with, mm, should I hang on till the last moment? But then I thought, no, nah, I think I've, I've got to get my body right and, and everything in the right order before I compete again. So that's, uh, that's the next plan. Awesome, man. Very good. Now, so out of all the formats, uh, the different race formats in the Super League, like between the Enduro, the Triple Mix, and all those, which one would probably be your most favorite or the strongest to race? And which one would be your least favorite to race? Um, I think I enjoy the Enduro the most. Um, I kind of like it when it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of continuous and it keeps going. And, and uh, yeah, you've got to be in the in the race from the start of it. So uh, you've got to kind of just, you know, uh, yeah, you've got to stay in there. And as soon as you get, as soon as you get, uh, Lodge from the group then you're in big trouble so i kind of enjoy that one quite a bit and uh yeah i think overall as well also the time trials sometimes they have individual time trials and those are pretty cool they uh they had a bike time trial in uh, hamilton island when they had the first event where we cycled up this massive climb uh and that was i don't think i've gone so deep on a bicycle probably ever um so it was, uh, it was a pretty cool a pretty cool format of it and it's uh yeah, i think a lot of the athletes are enjoying the the change up of formats and stuff i think they're, they're enjoying it quite a bit Awesome. No, that's cool. And do you, do you happen to have a least favorite or? Um, the least favorite, I think when it ends with a swim, that's probably my least favorite. I think that's a triple mix. I think that's a triple mix one. The second, the second event. Uh, that's pretty tough. Uh, also, yeah, well, I think that one, yeah, I would guess that one's the toughest. Also, uh, in Malta, they had a swim time trial and, uh, I thought my swimming was a good place, but I got, uh, pretty much annihilated in the swim time trial and <laughs> I'm used to having feet to swim on. So, and they went in a deficit on, on the, on the Sunday from the swim time trial on the Friday. And I was like about 50 seconds odd behind, uh, when we dove, when we dove in the water. And, uh, if you're a minute and a half eliminated from the race, I thought, yeah, I might get eliminated while I even get onto the, onto the, onto the bike. So, uh, that was an extremely tough day out. Uh, but, uh, I managed to hold it to the finish and I managed to still get a, I think I was 11th or 8th place or something like that. So I was still pretty happy to get 8th after this. Such a, such a bad start to the, to the day. But uh, yeah, I think that one's the toughest for me. Awesome. And that's great. I like to see that. And that's what's so amazing about the Super League is that there's, uh, it mixes it up so much that if you're maybe a strong swimmer or a weak swimmer and strong runner, like everything could change. And depending on what format you race, it, it completely could throw the standings out of, out of place too. So it's not really as predictable as say like an Ironman race. So I think that's cool. I like that. Yeah, I think that's where the I think where the where the well the draw card, but the excitement thing is that obviously it changes up so frequently and so quickly, and people, you know, they don't know who's going to win until the last moment. Uh, and those for, for it makes pretty good viewing for people. It makes it quite exciting, and uh, you know, also a lot a lot more athletes get more attention as well. So I think there's, there's you know there's there's 25 athletes, but everyone's racing and they're all being seen quite at almost at the same time. So it's quite nice versus, you know, uh, the guys all at the front getting all the attention and uh, the people going by the, you know, they're still competing, but they don't get much exposure. For sure. No, that's true. And so which, which course in the super league, I guess, is your favorite in terms of like the course layout and the crowd and the atmosphere of the race. Do you have a favorite one? Um, the one, the one, the best currently now is Jersey. So Jersey Island, when we went to go and race there, it's the only one now that we've come, We've competed at twice, uh, so that one now it's the official. And they've signed on for five years, so uh, yeah, it's definitely a cool place to race. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoy it there. It's, I do more prefer tropical climates. It was a bit cold there, um, and it rained most of the times. I think we raced there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's definitely I prefer more the tropical climates a little bit. Awesome, man. Cool. And so talking about training, I guess, with this, the Super League, does it change a lot from when you're training for the Olympics and the ITU style of racing? Uh, no, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't change that much. Uh, we kind of follow the same training regime and, uh, 
yeah, I think uh, some of the guys will, you know, I think they're starting to specialize a bit more towards the Super League because it's becoming more, you know, becoming more and more important. Uh, and uh, guys are getting contract uh, contracts now. So if you're leading the, leading the Super League for the following season, you get a $100,000 contract. Uh, so that's uh, pretty, uh, 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 quite a, a, a good way to look at it so that you can obviously focus all your energy on that. But I, I think you just got to see which is most important for you, really. For sure. No, that's crazy. And that, and that's good. Like I was actually talking to Hayden about that as well. It's good to see that there, there's some money in Super League because I mean, as like a full-time triathlete, it, uh, it takes a lot of time to train. So it's good to see that you can sort of like make somewhat of a decent income doing it. So I think that's good to see. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's one thing we always think, I mean, how many hours you spend training and you don't get paid for those hours. I mean, it would be nice if you, you came back from like a five hour ride or something or four hour ride and you got like a thousand dollars. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, obviously the work you're getting, you're getting, you're obviously putting all the work in and it comes down to race day. And if, uh, if your project, if your project goes through well, then you get uh, rewarded. So that's, that's always good. Awesome. Now for the nutrition aspect of the super league, um, what's your strategy for like gels, Gatorade or water intake? Now, like obviously it changes depending on the format, but is there a system in place you tend to follow? Um, yeah, well, I think, uh, before the race, I mean, it depends on what time it is of the day. Sometimes you race in the middle of the day, sometimes it's the end of the day. Uh, so I think the nutrition before the race is sometimes more important than nutrition in the race. Uh, when you race about an hour total worth of racing, uh, but, uh, kind of sugars, you know, you need quite a bit of sugar and things like that to keep your, to keep everything fresh. So, uh, some of the times I use a can of Red Bull, like half a can of Red Bull, uh, between the rounds. Uh, and that'll just kind of keep my mentally 100% alert. I think when you make small mistakes in the Super League, it, it's, you know, you miss your cycling shoe when you go in and it can literally cost you the bike. So, uh, yeah, you've definitely got to be on, on point there. And then also use gels as well. Um, I've got an isotonic gel that's got very little sugar in as well. So it sits well on the stomach. Uh, and uh, I'll take that kind of between rounds and things like that just to keep uh, electrolytes up and obviously water and stuff if it's a very, depending on the climate, um, obviously drink uh, be well hydrated, well hydrated before the race, uh, just so that you go into it uh, and you don't, uh, you know, lose any performance from the hydration side of things. Awesome! No, that's very cool. And and I guess sort of what's a what's a typical training week look like for you in in sort of the the peak season training? Like uh, I just saw on your Instagram stories that you're doing a lot of swimming right now and you're doing a lot of strength training. So um, are you doing any long distance at lower intensities or is it all high intensity based training and strength training? No, well, actually, uh, uh, I kind of follow the 80-20 rule a tiny bit. So 80% of the training kind of just aerobic training, uh, quite low heart rate, and then just 20% of it at a high heart rate and high high effort uh, output. Uh, and so I think during the week, swimming-wise, I've been doing weeks closer to like 30 kilometers in the swimming pool. Um, so the last three weeks or so, I've been close to 30K in the pool each week. Uh, and uh, on the bike side of things as well, because my, my running took a bit of a knock, I had to kind of build my biking mileage up more because I couldn't run as much. Uh, so I was doing 300 to about 400k a week on the bike. Uh, and uh, on the running side of things, uh, slowly building it up at about 40 odd k last week, so a couple of runs. And uh, this week, building it up to about 50, 55 k's uh, this week. So uh, yeah, I'm just uh, you know checking how things are going. Also on the gym, I do about probably now I'm doing about three hours of gym during the week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think from, for me, from this perspective, from, for now, for me, it's important to be strong and to be, to be stable, uh, just so that when I head the running and I lift the mileage up that I don't uh, re-injure my ankle again. Um, so that was kind of the thing, you know, pull the mileage back on the run, put it up on the bike a bit more and swim. 
and uh, yeah, as soon as uh, my running, as soon as I can handle a bit more mileage in the run, then I kind of back off a tiny bit in the swim of the bike. Smart. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good idea. I, I like that. It's, it blows my mind to see that you're putting in 30 kilometers swimming each week. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot of swimming, a lot of time in the pool or a lot of time in the water. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, it's uh, definitely, you know, it's something, I mean, usually I'm somewhere between 20 to 25 kilometers a week is my general. Um, but, uh, obviously now I haven't been running. My coach has decided that, uh, if I'm not going to run, they're just going to put more mileage in the swimming. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it makes sense. That's perfect. Now, is there any, uh, races in mind that you'd sort of want to do like sort of like a bucket list race, um, that you'd never had a chance to yet? Like it could be any series like super super league or ITU or, or Ironman. Yeah, season? I've actually got, I think that's my, uh, 2021 season pretty much. It's oh, gonna nice. Be, it's going to be loaded with bucket list races. I think. Awesome. Um, I'm actually I'm, I'm I'm almost half tempted to go out to a whole bunch of different uh, event organizers and, and uh, kind of see which see which ones are the coolest and uh, kind of have a year of enjoyment. I and mean, we did it in 2000 and, uh, 2017. Rachel and I kind of we did 26 races or 25 races in the season, uh, and we did everything from Xterra to half distance to Bundesliga to Super League to ITU to everything. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, I think the escape, I always wanted to do the escape from Alcatraz that was on the bucket list. Um, the, uh, I think there's one in the French, per, in, in the Pyrenees, Alpe d'Huez triathlon, that was also on the bucket list. Um, I've seen now as well at the end of this year, there's a challenge, uh, Cape Town race that just came about yesterday. Um, so that might, I might be tempted to, to put my foot into that race at the end of the season. We'll see how, we'll see how the season goes. Um, and, uh, yeah, a couple of other, there's a couple of other ones up i've been looking at uh, definitely towards you know places i haven't been to so i think for next year i want to go uh i want to go to argentina or i want to go to south america um russia direction uh maybe one or two in, in new zealand uh i might might go that direction and one in australia and cans maybe as well but i want to i want to have a look to see and we'll sit down and plan the whole year but uh, definitely a year with some crazy stuff exterior uh maybe maybe a half distance race one or two chucked in there so we're gonna have a look to see and yeah, sit down and look at it that's amazing, man. It's it's so cool to see the triathlon. It's just all around the world that you can do so much traveling as well with. I think that's that's really cool to get to see so many different countries and different parts of the world just doing the sport. Yeah, I think that's that's a big you know a big plus. I mean, a lot of people, uh, I wouldn't say dread traveling, but I mean they you know they're traveling for work. We're also traveling for work, but if you get to be there during the week and you can see the check the place, that's why I like cycling quite a bit as well. You get to see quite a lot when you ride. Uh, and, uh, here in the Netherlands where we're training here, there's the, the cycling is, it's amazing. We're like bike paths where we're literally divided from the cars, the whole ride. Um, so we don't ride next to vehicles and, uh, it makes the riding awesome. And as well, yeah, we stay close to Germany. So we spend a lot of the time uh, cycling in Germany as well. So, uh, it's definitely awesome to, you know, see parts of the world by bike. Awesome. Yeah, no, very cool. Now, I mean, the next several years from now, um, sort of where do you see the sport of triathlon um, all around? Uh, will it be bigger than it is today? Just, I, I like to ask that question because some, some obviously businesses in the sport of triathlon are always saying there's less attendance or they're seeing less sales year over year, but it seems like the races keep just getting bigger and there's, there's more hype around it at the same time and now that they're televised and everything. So uh, what's your thoughts on the sport? Is it, are we sort of going upwards from here? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, the one big thing I'd like to look at is just obviously see more pros getting paid more money. I think that would be the, you know, the best deal. The, the scary thing about triathlon is, is uh, it's kind of top heavy, you know, the top 
top three, top three to top five guys are making good money, and then top five to top ten are kind of just making some money, and then from outside top ten, you're pretty much making, you're not making much at all. Already sold the real truth. So it's, I think you know, triathlon definitely will grow bigger. And the thing is that it's so diverse now, where there's so many different races, and and it dilutes quite a lot. So, um, you know, at the at the big races, obviously there's going to be good athletes there, but it's a lot more other races that are catering for. You know, for different for different uh, revenues and for different for different people. So I think the Super League is one nice thing where it's kind of building the brand of the athlete a little bit. And uh, I definitely think it's going to be growing. You know, I hope one day it becomes like road cycling to a certain degree, where there's uh, massive trucks, huge sponsors, and there's literally you know they have like triathlon teams racing against each other type of thing, which which would be very cool. And uh, it's kind of like commercialized triathlon, if that if that makes any sense, where the athletes get paid a salary for the year. And the race triathlon, and uh, you know, it becomes bigger and bigger. And I think that's hopefully what you know. Further down the line, if they have like kind of the, your grand slams of uh, triathlon, so if they have like maybe four major triathlons during the year, everyone knows when they when they are. Um, and uh, those are the big ones, you know. If 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 it comes down to something like that, and the, the prize money goes into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, then I think triathlon uh, is definitely going in the right direction. For sure. No, that's a great way of looking at it. And I, I like to see that. So, and hopefully that's the way it goes. I mean, obviously there's a, a pretty loyal following. Anyone who loves triathlon, they, they absolutely love it. And uh, there's seems to be going in the right direction anyway. So hopefully that's kind of how it heads out. And, and you're right. Cycling has such a huge, such a huge following and there's so much money involved in that. So hopefully triathlon can end up similar to that anyway. Yeah. I think that's kind of, that, that's kind of, I wouldn't say that's kind of the idea of Chris McCormack a little bit, but I think that's the idea behind the super league is that uh, it kind of grows and grows and gets, uh, you know, it gets crazy. I think that's hopefully, hopefully the direction it goes. For sure. No, absolutely. And so speaking of the super league with Chris McCormack, so the uh, age groupers, um, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the, the training tips for any age group triathletes looking to sort of get into the super league uh, age group races. Um, how would you recommend they focus their training? Just uh, like you said, sort of like the 80-20 with still keeping up with aerobic and also throwing the 20% high intensity, shorter distance workouts or what's some uh, ideas? Yeah, on that? I, th- I think, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a good, I mean, I think it all depends on your time available. So I think for, for a lot of age group athletes, obviously time, they're very time constricted. So uh, obviously sit down and see how many hours you've got in a week. You can, you know, uh, dedicate towards triathlon or dedicate towards training. Uh, and then you can go about your plan of, of, of planning how much, how many workouts you can do kind of aerobic and then how many workouts you have to do to, you know, still get, uh, still get your good numbers and get, get a good workout going and, and kind of, you know, be in that zone that you're going to be in while you're racing. Uh, I think obviously if you want to, if you want to be comfortable with, with a hurt, you need to get used to the hurt to a little, to a little bit of an extent. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's good. I think if you, you know, if you get, uh, I kind of generally look at if I get one or two hard run workouts a week. Uh, then you can probably do one hard bike workout a week with one long bike, uh, one long run, and you can probably chuck in a couple of easy runs and maybe one strength run if you have time for all of that during the week. Um, so I think it's, you know, and gym, I think gym is definitely one that's really overlooked. I think in endurance sports, uh, a lot of athletes look towards the hours, but they don't look towards uh, how much time do you spend trying to make sure your body's, you know, in good form. So like obviously getting a massage every now and then, I think that's one thing a lot of people overlook. They, uh, they're more worried about kind of the error position on the bike than they're worried about uh, what their back is like. Um, but it's definitely, you know, you've got to look at uh, keeping your body in, in, in a good stead, being healthy and uh, yeah, kind of just doing a hard workout every now and then when, when you're, when you're up for it. 
Awesome, man. That's really cool. I, I like that advice a lot. And especially to hear the whole massage aspect and sort of keeping your body just healthy and ready and like fit, ready to race. So I like that. That's, uh, yeah. I think, some really practical advice. Yeah, I mean, not to over, I think a lot of people are, I wouldn't say overdoing it, but they, you know, they're getting quite absorbed with the media of, of, of people doing 50 hours or 40 hours of training during the week. You know, you could, you could get away with probably 10 hours of training in the week if you're doing it right. Um, so I think it's all got to do with looking down, obviously trying to get a coach as well. If you have availability of finding a coach, um, you know, um, I studied uh, personal training and conditioning myself as well. So I've got a lot, got big hands on to do with what I do a little bit as well. Um, but, uh, definitely if you can find somebody who knows more than what you know, then, uh, you know, all the better. Perfect. No, that's good. And now in the Ironman series races, you always hear about, uh, triathletes basing their pace off either like heart rate or their perceived effort, or they follow their certain watt wattage output, but obviously super league in the Olympics, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's much more different than that because I guess you're. Um, how would you sort of find your pace in, in those sort of sprint distance, shorter distance, high, high intensity races? Because obviously you can't just sort of follow wattage if you're trying to follow a pack in a, in a draft legal race or your heart rate might be pretty high racing in, in one of those sprint intervals. So uh, what's your thoughts on that? What do you kind of use for pace? Um, yeah, well, I think the only, the only kind of measurement I use during racing is, is on my bike as a power meter just to make kind of to make sure that I don't override. Um, but apart from that, you know, in the swimming, you've got to swim as hard as you can to stay with, with the fastest swimmers that you can stay with. And, uh, on the run, you've got to go out like, uh, as quick as you can to stay with the, with the fast guys for as long as you can. So I think the, you know, the measurement of, uh, how hard you're going, you know, you should literally be with the guys that you're around. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think on the bike, you know, obviously uh, kind of, as I said, like I need to, you got to ride as hard as you can to get into the, to the best bunch that you can so that you save energy afterwards. So, uh, obviously the first five minutes on the bike, every time I race, I pretty much get my five minute, uh, power max <laughs> of the year. So <laughs> it's, uh, I always come out to swim and I'm always getting, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I've got to catch them and then, uh, literally ride myself. Uh, to a standstill almost to get into the back of the group uh but uh i've kind of done that for the last 10 years a little bit but uh it's definitely one thing you know and then uh to make sure obviously i don't overbike um is one big thing because if you you know you're feeling good you're feeling powerful you know you overdo on the bike and then you come around and you you've spent too many matches on the bike so uh it's always a, a difficult calculation and obviously hydration as well uh, whether you take a gel on the bike or gel on the run, uh, depending on distances and uh, heat and all those types of things, uh, you know, it all all plays a factor in, in your in your end result. Awesome, and that's really good. And and I mean, so lastly, it's kind of wrap it up a little bit with. Um, do you have any words of encouragement or advice that you can sort of give to age groupers who are um, trying to like make an impact in the triathlon, sort of either getting their elite cards or just simply want to push themselves to the best of their capabilities? Any sort of advice? Like, I know you're a big guy when it comes to consistency. So is that something that we all need to be sort of aware of as age groupers? Yeah, I think the consistency is a, is a massive one. I've always found that uh, uh, you know duration or, or those types of things is is good but you know the more often you can do something the more you know your body becomes used to doing that certain thing so you know if you can do a couple more sessions in the week but they're shorter then that's much better um and uh so if you try and tick a couple of the boxes you know you look okay you need a you know you need a strength run you need a long distance run those ones will condition you for for, for the rest of for the rest of the runs and uh just a couple of easy runs thrown in between there i think 
you know, I think with a, a lot of the pros as well, that's why we swim six times a week. And just to keep the consistency, it's funny, we take like one day out the swimming pool and the next day we feel horrible, which is, which is odd. I mean, I almost asked my coach, can I go in and just do a 1K swim just so that the next day I don't feel as bad? Um, so I think it's, you know, it's ridiculous, but when you get used to doing it every single day, you take one day out and the next day you feel, you feel bad. Um, so it's, yeah, I think definitely trying to keep the consistency and kind of look at what you're bad at. Um, a lot of people, if you're, if you enjoy cycling, you'll end up cycling more during the week, almost guaranteed. Um, you know, and if you're, if you don't like swimming, like kind of like myself, I would kind of only swim as much as I needed to, you know, just for the bare minimum. So it's kind of look at what you're bad at, uh, and then try and work on that. You know, the other things, you know, muscle memory, if you've been doing cycling for 20 years or 30 years, um, you're always going to know how to ride a bike. But uh, swimming in that, you definitely need to get in the water often enough to get used to, uh, they call it the feel of the water, uh, just to like kind of, you know, feel your stroke and to feel comfortable in the water. And so I think definitely consistency on the swimming and running side is really important. And then on, on the biking, you can get away with uh, a couple of bikes a week. You don't need to do four or five rides a week. You could probably do two, three rides a week. Uh, if they're if they're good or long enough rides, you should be fine. Um, and it's also from the you know you're running, you'll get your biggest uh, cardio you know payback from the running side of things. So running is obviously weight bearing, so it's a lot more difficult on the body. So uh, you know if you if you throw a half an hour ride, it's probably equivalent to most people's one hour one hour bike. So if you time constrained half an hour half an hour jog or forty minute jog will always give you a good a good benefit versus versus the riding side of things. Awesome, dude. I think that's great advice. I think that'll resonate with a lot of people. And, and even myself, it's true. Like I, I was just thinking there when you said that, um, st- try to focus on your worst discipline. And, and so that'd be mine for the swim. I spend most of my time cycling or running just because I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm better at it. So I feel better doing it. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. It's true. I think that's, uh, that's some good advice. Yeah. I mean, even if you find, I mean, the thing is swimming, swimming is boring. Leo, let's face it. I think there's very few people that'll say swimming really gets me excited to get out and drive to the pool and go and dive in and swim staring at the bottom of the pool for an hour. But <laughs> if you, I think if you find, if you can find other like-minded people that also don't like doing that and join them, that just makes it much easier. And uh, even, even maybe a couple of times a week or once a week, you can do open water swim to keep it fresh. Um, that's also good. And uh, yeah, I think uh, just to, you know, even going to do some gym, you can even do some uh, upper body gym work or something like that, that emulates swimming to a certain degree. If you don't want to swim to kind of get some strength in your arms, that's also, that's another way of, of kind of going about it a little bit. Awesome, man. Perfect. No, that's really good. Now uh, let's wrap it up talking about your race schedule. So uh, what's your 2019 season uh, look like? And, and do you have your 2020 season plan? Because I assume it's sort of all built around the 2020 Olympics, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my season, I pretty much planned my season in December and January. So uh, I had more, yeah, I kind of have the whole season planned up until about October side this year where the Super League start kind of round out the season. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of for, formulate the same structures I do this year, next year. Um, so yeah, I've kind of, uh, we, I don't think we have all the race dates of next season yet. So the World Triathlon Series races and stuff, the season calendar kind of comes out uh, after the grand finals, October side, uh, the, the world triathlon series calendar comes out and, uh, yeah, then we'll pretty much sit down, uh, you know, look at how the season went and then kind of look towards next season, what worked, what didn't work and what can we do differently. Uh, and then, yeah, kind of just the, all the focus on, on, on going to training camps and, uh, we go to three training camps in altitude this season. So it's the first time we're spending you know, quite a lot of time at altitude. 
and uh, yeah, it generally helps me quite a lot. Uh, I really struggle when I get up to altitude, so you know, I get a good benefit from being there. Cool, man. That's great. And uh, so that pretty much ended at that. So I mean, if you're up for, if you want to do a one minute Q and A fire round, we'll sort of ask. I'll try and ask as many questions as I can in the one minute, and uh, we'll see how many we can get through. You up for that? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Perfect. All right, I'm gonna start the timer. Then, if uh, you're ready, then we'll get started. Yeah, good to go. All right, so what's your favorite race distance? It's a super sprint. What's your go-to pre-race breakfast? Go-to pre-race breakfast is uh, white bread, scrambled eggs, and ketchup. Awesome. Now, uh, what's one race you've always wanted to do but haven't done yet? Um, escape from Alcatraz. Perfect. The most beautiful place you've traveled? Um, to Nassau, to the Bahamas, to a private island. Awesome. And so who do you think is the biggest up and comer in the sport of triathlon that we should be looking out for? Like a, a younger guy that's coming up. Uh, I would say Alex Yee or Hayden Wild. Perfect. And do you use Zwift or do you do any Zwift racing? Um, I did do Zwift. I did it once and then my membership ran out for the month that was free and then I didn't, uh, didn't get another one. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what's the most grueling or toughest course you've raced? Um, the most, the toughest course I think was probably in Hamilton Island, the super league race that we did there just cause it was so hot and the hill was, there was a massive hill in it and it was just downright, uh, tough. Awesome. And the last question, I guess, uh, what's your favorite local or hometown race to you in South Africa? Uh, the Cape town world, Cape town world cups. It's kind of like a hometown race for me. So that's kind of a, a big important one. The one I love the most. Awesome, man. Perfect. So that, that, uh, that wraps it up. So obviously I keep going all day, but you probably got a busy rest of the day planned. So obviously won't keep you here any longer, but, um, so who are your sponsors this year? And, and do you have any coaches or training partners to give shout outs to? Um, yeah. So yeah, my main sponsors, uh, it's Haveline, Red Bull, BMC, DT Swiss, Orca, Puma, Oakley, and SIS. And I've got a couple more other ones, uh, Seabear, Pioneer, uh, yeah, that's about it. And shout out to my go- my fiance, not girlfriend, uh, fiance Rachel Klammer and training partner, um, and yeah, obviously my coach as well, Louis De La High and Jordi Millenberg, and uh, yeah, kind of just uh, all the all the my support and the guys that help me out uh, during the season and everything. You know, it goes. There's a lot of guys behind the scenes, my family obviously and friends. Uh, yeah, big shout out to everyone for for the love and uh, yeah, hope for hope for a good season and hope everyone's doing well. Awesome, man. That's great. And uh, now for those who uh, don't already follow you, sort of where's the best place they can find more about you and follow you this year in racing? Um, on Instagram? Yeah, or? yeah, I think on, I spend way too much time on Instagram. So <laughs> my handle is uh, <laughs> at already underscore Murray. And uh, yeah, I spend kind of probably do about 10 posts a day on my storyline. So uh, if you've got nothing better to do in the evening watching television, you can always scroll through my storyline. Awesome, buddy. That's perfect. Thanks again for coming on the show, man. Um, obviously, be sure to connect again another time. And other than that, that's, uh, that's great, man. Thanks for coming on. 100%. Not a problem. Thank you. Thanks for all this stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll post something about it as well. Awesome. Cool, man. Take care. Hi. Right, cool. Cheers. Well, guys, there you have it. Richard Murray has an amazing story, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to his tips and his advice. And definitely be sure to follow him throughout the next couple of years, because I think he's going to be a huge name to watch out for, especially in the Olympics. So thanks so much, guys, and thanks so much, Richard, for sharing all that. I'm so glad we have you on the show. Now, again, guys, if you want to hear more podcasts like these, then hit that subscribe button, and you can follow me on Instagram at pacing.and.racing, and you can follow us on YouTube, Pacing and Racing. 
Now, one thing I want to mention to listeners, which I'm super pumped about, my good friend Triathlon Terran has released his newest website that is now live called Pro Triathlon Training. It's an online course to teach you specialized training, making you more proficient in the swimming, cycling, and running. Now, what's so great about this is the instructors of the course are some of the best pros in the sport triathlon. So in the sport discipline, there's Lucy Charles and Reese Barclay that are your teachers. You have Cameron Wirth teaching cycling. You have Sarah and Ben True teaching the running aspect. And they have strength training coaches like Timothy O'Donnell, Miranda Carfrey, and Aaron Carson. So overall, guys, it's an amazing course. I'm enrolled in myself and actually love the content. So if you use the discount code PTTLAUNCH20, you'll get 20% off. And this code is available only for the limited time. Now, if you want to check that out, the website link can be found in my Instagram bio. And again, Instagram is at pacing.and.racing. Other than that, thanks so much, guys. And lastly, if you did like this episode, please take two minutes, leave a kind review on the podcast channel as this helps us get heard by more listeners or the podcast platform algorithms. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.